The reading is from the second book of Kings. Let us be attentive. Came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people. And let them deliver it into the hand of the workers that have oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the workers which are in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house. To carpenters and builders and masons and to buy lumber and hewn stone to repair the house. Howbeit, there was no reckoning made with them of the money that had been delivered into the hand, because they dealt faithfully. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan, the scribe, We have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the scribe, came to the king, and brought the king word again, and said, The servants have gathered the money that was found in the house, and have delivered it into the hand, then them that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has delivered me a book. And Shaphan read the book in the presence of the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. The king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Achbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the scribe and Ahashisha the servant of the king's captains saying go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that is found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do unto all according to what is written concerning concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest and Hikam and Akbor and Shaphan and Azahiah went into Huldah the prophetess the wife of Shalom the son of Tikvah the son of Hathas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem. She dwelt in Jerusalem in a small house, and they communed with her. And she said unto them, 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even unto all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place, and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was torn, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou didst hear what I speak against this place, against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and as rent thy clothing and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into the grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I have bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two things are contained in the message that Huldah sends back to the king. First of all, there is the inevitability of the Lord's wrath because of the sin. And there's the pardon which the Lord Lord sends in response to repentance. You know, we we all fail in many things, beloved. And we repent and we return back to the Lord. And we've made our peace with God. But all the evil we've done is still here. About a year and a half ago, down in Tennessee, I sat with my brother's pastor before we did the memorial service. And I thanked him for bringing my brother into grace, preaching to my brother, bringing him to repentance, and bringing God powerfully into his life in the last years of his life when he was so sick and was spent several years dying of dying of poisons in his body. And I, I said to the pastor, what you've done is a difficult job. My brother's life is strewn with bodies everywhere. 
disasters. Disasters everywhere. One of his sons did not even come for the service. So much ill will. His first wife did not come to the service. There's too much hurt. Both things are true. Although repentance is profitable to the soul, Holy Scripture does not regard it as sufficient to undo the historical effects of sin. That is to say, by repentance, I can change the course of my life and my eternal destiny. But the bad things I've done, the good things I have left undone, will still continue to run their course. My repentance will not undo them. And that's part of repentance, to know that. Such is the practical meaning, I take it, of the Latin adage, factum non fit non factum. A thing done cannot become a thing not done. The truth about repentance was made clear at the discovery, as we read tonight, of the Deuteronomic scroll in the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, which, as John would tell you, is 622. Right, John? When this document caused Josiah and his friends to realize how far Judah had wandered into sin, they immediately repented. They repented. Their repentance was genuine. In fact, they weren't even aware that they had been sinning because they had not been instructed on the matter. The prophetess Huldah consulted about this business, assured them that the Lord accepted their repentance. But she also warned that their repentance would not avert the historical effects of so much sin. The accumulated transgressions of numerous generations would still bring about the destruction of the nation. Part of Josiah's repentance was an acceptance of the divine judgment on the nation. When the slave ship arrived at Jamestown in 1619, if memory serves, but I was young then, An African sin was brought to these shores. Slavery had been had been gone from, from Europe for more than a thousand years. There had been no slaves in Europe. There was always slavery in Africa. There has been from prehistoric times. There is now today. 
and slavery in Africa. And the slaves that were brought over to this country were already slaves before they got here. And they brought the slaves to this country. And white people enslaved these black people. We are paying for that sin. To this very day, we are still paying for that sin. I believe an integral component of repentance is the grace to leave in God's provident hands the historical judgment of the manifold evil effects of our sins. This past Wednesday night, I, I, I suggested that you, for Thanksgiving Day, read, this, read Lincoln's second inaugural. And the previous Sunday, I, I quoted Lincoln's second inaugural in the Sunday school class. Lincoln had this colossal sense of the burden of sins. We repentant sinners make such amends as we can. But none of us can, can even know, much less avert, all the evil consequences our sins have unleashed in history. And that is why I am going to God in fear and trembling. When I can think of all that I've done, people have been hurt in various ways over the course of my life. And especially all the things I have left undone. And the world, I feel the world is a, a lot of evil has come from my own time in this world. Part of my repentance is going to God with empty hands. I'm going to need all the mercy that God, in his infinite mercy, can muster. Things have already taken on a dynamism of their own. And God will deal with them according to his own wise judgment. Innocent people are being hurt right now because of things that I have done. People I don't even know. They're innocent. We are still paying for sins. We who have never owned slaves were paying for the sins of those who did. This truth about repentance pertains, beloved, not only the bad things we have done, but as I suggested, the required good things that we have failed to do. In our later years, long after we have made the major decisions that govern our lives, some of us come to realize how many possibilities we have squandered and how few duties we have fulfilled. And now it's too late. Our education is long over. Our children have already been raised. Further opportunities are few. And our neglected friends lie cold in their tombs. We find ourselves unable to do any of it. We weep with joy for the years that the locust has consumed, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. We are obliged simply to accept the judgment of God following the insight of the psalmist. 
Judicia Domini Vera used to be cotta in Simbidipsa. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. David is an example of a man who was obliged to accept the truth of this fact. Because of his sins, the man lost a great deal of who he was. That's why he became an overindulgent father and raised a thoroughly dysfunctional family. Incest and fratricides, by the way, I think are taken usually as symptoms of a dysfunctional family. Faced with the results of his, of his long, sinful neglect, David responded, But if the Lord says this, I have no delight in him, here I am, let him do to me according as it seems good to him. Repentance as a turning point from sin to God involves more than the release of personal guilt. That's easily taken care of. That's easily taken care of. Take, I've done that a million times. I've taken care of that in God's name. Release from personal guilt. But repentance means also handing over to God's judgment and providential care the countless historical effects of our myriad failures. Repentance places not only our own individual lives, but also our larger destiny. The many links that join us to the rest of mankind are the sovereign governance of history. Repentance makes us partakers of the reality. Partakers of something far larger than ourselves. Part of genuine repentance consists in accepting with God's mercy our inability never to make up for the evils we've caused. We can only plead for forgiveness and beseech God to take direction over history. To bring about good even from evil the evil for which we are responsible. The Bible is not just a book about right and wrong. It's not just a moral code. It's a book about the righteous judgments of God, the chief of which is his redemption and his infinite love poured out in the world. Amen.